times have you Googled a symptom? Hands up, we all have. The need to make complex medical information accessible and readable has flourished with the advent of Google and the prevalence of internet access. Who needs doctors? Well, we do, of course, but as patients, we're more informed than ever. And who writes the content we use to research the latest thoughts on medical science? Medical copywriters. Today, we're talking about medical copywriting, accurately representing clinical data in a way that's clear, concise, and engaging. And we've got specialist Narissa Bentley to shed some light on this for us. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter. Copyright Matters is my business and that's where I have coaching and courses to help copywriters of all levels. And with me, of course, is Kate Toon. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clevy Copywriting School, which is a directory, job board, template shop, and so much more. And with us today is Narissa Bentley. Narissa is the Melbourne health writer. Narissa uses credible, up-to-date research to help national organizations and global corporations create high-quality health and medical content that connects with patients and the wider community. And she can see ghosts, which we're going to ask a little bit more about. So welcome to the show, Narissa. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, so look, medical copywriting is, is a subject that's very close to my heart as well. And something we might try and touch on in this episode is talk a little bit about Google Medic update and, and what that means and why medical copywriting has just got a whole lot seriouser, sir. More serious. <laughs> that's the word. But Narissa, let's go right back to the beginning. You know, you, you're a, a young girl, you know, running through the fields of Australia with, with your kangaroo. Why did you decide to become a medical copywriter? How did you find your niche or did it find you? Um, well, my niche found me, actually. Um, I always knew that I wanted to uh, work with words. I was always, you know, English was my favourite subject, spelling, writing, grammar was my favourite things to do. And so uh, when I finished school, I went to um, university and I did a Bachelor of Arts. Um, I majored in journalism, communication studies and Australian literature. So you can see that, you know, writing and words was really big. Um, and then I, I ended up working in a couple of uh, health organisations, actually. Cancer Council of Victoria, I was there for a few years, and then I worked in a public hospital. Um, and they were all corporate communication kind of roles, writing information about your organisation or about health or health things. Um, and then I moved across to work at Melbourne Uni and I was there for a while. Um, it wasn't health related, but it was still very much writing and, um, you know, working on publications, whether it was emails or websites or newsletters and things like that. So once I left there and to have my family, um, I was in the market for um, a part-time job and I saw one advertised and it was, the headline was at home writer wanted. And I thought, well, I want to work at home. I've got young kids and I want to write. So I applied and um, it turned out that it was a corporate wellness company who were looking for a part-time writer to work from home and write content for them and their various clients. So I worked for them for three and a half years. Um, and that was where I got my my grounding, I suppose, in health and medical copywriting. So it wasn't so much medical back then, but it was more um, the health field because there's such a sliding scale of health and medical and 
things like that. So um, that was where I got my grounding and I learned how to write in a way that um, patients would understand or the average person would understand what it is we are talking about. So the whole simplifying uh, language thing, um, I learned how to reference and uh, learned all about, you know, where to find credible references and, and resources. And so from there, um, once I uh, was made redundant there, I decided to go out on freelance, was very much a generalist copywriter, but realised that health and wellness, and that was my niche. That was the thing I loved to do, was the thing I was really good at and the thing that um, I found quite easy for me. So it was a bit of a natural progression to, to niche down into that area. I love that. It definitely sounds like your niche while you had a love for kind of writing and the word nerding stuff. I love that your, your niche really found you with that. I mean, stay at home writer. That's pretty, that's pretty broad. So I love the fact that it fit with your experience and sent you on this really great track. Um, so the thing that really strikes me about medical copywriting is all the rules and regulations that you must have to be across. So how do you keep on top of those? Is it up to you to know all of that stuff? Uh, yes and no. So like a lot of the clients that I work for, uh, they're very much aware of what they need to say, what they can say, what they can't say. Um, I know, um, obviously, you know, we have to follow certain guidelines. So when we're writing information, we can't make false claims. We can't make generalist claims saying, for example, um, a treatment will help patients. You've got to use the word may because in some cases it, not every patient is going to um, do is going to respond to that treatment. So there's rules and regulations about the kinds of language that you can use. You can't be seen to be making false statements or misleading statements. So from that regard it is my responsibility. However, there's also the other side of things when I'm working with the peak organisations that they have their medical experts and their medical boards in some ways and they read through the information as well. So they then check for um, if things are clinically correct or up to date with the latest research because they're the medical experts in that field. Mm. So with that though I mean I guess there are risks there are liability risks associated with you doing this so how do you cover yourself for that kind of thing do you have a special type of insurance that covers your bottom in case you in case you you know say something slightly incorrect um I always with my terms and conditions I state that I will do my very best to make sure that information is accurate but at the end of the day the client is the one who is publishing the information so the it is on the onus of the client to make sure that that information is correct okay that's good to know um because another big factor which i mentioned at the beginning of the episode is is the recent what's called being what's been dubbed the Google Medic update. Uh, So we know that like about a year or so ago, Google made a change to the algorithm, which really hit a lot of the medical sites quite hard. Um, And, you know, what are the impacts of that is the medical sites having to work a lot harder to ensure the quality of their writing is better. It's all about this expertise, authority, and trust. And, you know, some of the factors involved in that are making sure that you have a great bio uh, that really articulates why you are writing the article. So it's not just Nerissa Bentley likes cake and and, and writes medical content. It's like, I've done this, I've worked here, I have this degree, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then also getting that peer 
peer approval of your article, like getting doctors as reference points and using statistics and facts. Have you had have you had any challenges around this Google Medic update? Have, you, have any of your clients been hit by it so far? Um, not that I'm aware of. Certainly none of them have said anything. Um, but I think it's a great thing. I think it's really important that health and medical information is credible, that it is up to date, that it is accurate. Um, and so, you know, really clamping down on the content, the quality of content and the the um, the messages and, and things that are getting out there for for the general public, I think is a really good thing. Absolutely. So when, you know, often in this kind of field, we start talking, we start using words like quality assurance. Um, what kind of things, can you break that down for what it means for you and your clients? Like what kind of quality assurance measures do your clients look for? Um, and how do you keep on top of the quality of your writing? So a lot of my clients want, obviously, when we're writing information and particularly making claims about health or statistics, they want credible resources. So that is uh, a skill in itself, knowing which are the credible sites to go to and get information. So things like um, peak bodies. So for example, if we're writing about heart disease, going to the Heart Foundation. They're like the experts in heart disease. Um, there's th several medical sites or medical schools that are considered to be very, very good information. And then also referencing back to current medical studies. And, um, and when we do that, we actually quote the original study. So we don't quote a newspaper article that mentions the study. We don't quote another blog that has mentioned the study. We go to the source of that information. So going back to the source is really, really important. And I think, you know, when working with these larger companies who, but at the end of the day, their their authority and credibility is on the line when they employ somebody to write health and medical. So you really do have to give them the best quality um, sources of information. Um, and, and then they know too that then their constituents, if they query, where does this information come from? They can give that out to them and say, this is where it's from, credible source. See, this is why I would never be a good medical copywriter because I just like making stuff up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I'm a big believer that 95% of all, all, of all statistics are made up on the spot. Um, doesn't quite work when you're in, working in the medical space. <laughs> Unfortunately, maybe. I don't know. So, look, if I decided tomorrow that I wanted to be a medical copywriter, clearly not a great idea. How do you start to build up that client base and, and get out there? How did you do it when you started? How did you find your first clients? Um, well, the way I got into it is really I had registered with an agency and the agency actually had a few health and medical clients on their books. So one of the very first people I wrote for was Fitness Australia um, and that was very detailed in terms of the research. So they sent me research papers to read. Um, they were very big on their credibility. Um, other organisations that I worked with in the early days were Bupa um, and Defence Health. Um, and I've worked with Chemmart as well. And so I was kind of um, lucky in those respects that, that my agent had those clients. Um, obviously, they wouldn't have kept giving me the work if I wasn't doing a good job, but uh, I think it would have been a lot harder to, to get into if and then to build my portfolio if it wasn't for that agency. So I will always be very grateful to them for that. And to get into that agency... Um was it just a matter of presenting your work to them and they had the opportunity? Was it serendipitous um, match-up? 
Yeah, look, you know, it was the very first thing is they um, they asked me to pitch to write for Fitness Australia and I had never done anything like that. So it was kind of uh, a bit of a bit of luck on my side or the universe on my side, I suppose. And I just sort of said, look, I can do this and this and I really want to write for that um, organisation. And so they gave me the job and I got it and then I just wrote a series of articles for them after that. And uh, once the agency saw that, you know, my work was delivered on time, nice. that it was accurate. Yeah. Um, also, th- there wasn't things like typos. So it's not just about accuracy of the content. It's about how you present it and how you meet deadlines and all of those things. So you can be a really great medical copywriter or copywriter for anything, but if you can't meet deadlines and you can't follow a brief, um, it's going to be really hard to get work because people rely on you. So I suppose having that reliability factor really did help me in those days. Awesome. and. I bet now that you've got those big, lovely, fat logos in your portfolio, does that influence how you get work now? Uh, yes, I think so. Like some people have said that they saw that I had worked with um, whichever client it was. So they know that I've done work for those bigger agencies. I've also done a lot of work on my SEO on my website. So most of my client work now and new inquiries come through my SEO um, or it's a referral of somebody else I've worked with or who has heard of me. So having those brands certainly help and, and people tend to move around in organisations as well. So they might go from one health organisation to another and a couple of my clients have done that and they still contact me. So, you know, interesting. it really helps too. I love it when that happens. Hey, just wait a minute. Where did you learn all that wonderful SEO? No, never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> I remember Narissa when we when we, we first met, which is many years ago, and Narissa had a Wix website. And she clung to that Wix website with her – she was going to hold it till the day she died. And then she let it go, redid her website, and it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful site to check out. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but it's, it's, it's an exemplary of, of all the things I want from a good copywriter website. So well done, Narissa. Just flatter you there a little bit. Um, next question. Authority versus approachability. So this is something we've talked about in the Hot Copy Mastermind as well, how you position yourself as a copywriter in the medical space. Because many of us are kind of saying, look, our brand values are that we're super uh, professional. Yes, but we're approachable and we're fun and we're creative and we're quirky. You kind of can't have those kind of styles. You have to be a bit more straight, a bit more authority. How do you balance that with your personality as well? That's a really good question. So, yeah, my clients, first and foremost, the, the company. So there's uh, there's a differentiation between the people I liaise with within the, within the company and the company itself. So the company itself wants to be authoritative, wants to be trusted, wants to be the leader in their field. Um, and that's where my copywriting um, comes in. Um then there's the people on the other end of the phone that I deal with. So that's where I get to sort of be myself and be a bit more not quirky, I suppose. I'm, I'm always very professional, but we do have personal conversations. You know, I, I'm a really big fan of Roger Federer and I've got things on my website about which tennis player is better, Roger or Nadal. And I mean, I love them both, but I've actually built really good rapport with clients talking about Roger and his tennis. So um, it's, you know, just because these are big companies, they're still staffed by humans. Um, so having that human connection and then following up 
and being up, you know, professional with your emails and meeting the deadlines, getting back and saying, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And you get back to them tomorrow and you do what you say so they can see, hey, she's a woman of her word. She will do what she says she's going to do. I love that. And I love that distinction between like professional is how you deliver. It's not necessarily a dry way that you act. And I also love the fact that by including little, little personal nuggets, they're hooks for people to make stronger connections with you because they have some, you have something in common. I think that's really good advice for people who struggle with the idea of um, the contrast between being professional in air quotes and being personal. So thanks for making that distinction. But um, I was like, I imagine with all this research and this stuff you have to do and the you mentioned kind of crediting sources and all, all this kind of stuff, it must take so much longer than any other copywriting project. Do you have a lot of research time allocated? Um, it depends on the project. So some... You know, I've been doing this for a long time now, so I know where to go for my information. I know which websites to visit. I know which ones are credible. I know which ones are updated regularly. Um, That said, I sometimes still have to read medical studies and so not necessarily read them word for word because some of these are 10, 13 pages long, but I need to be able to skim read them at least and pull out that information that I can add to my content that is, and then regurgitate it so people can understand. Um, that sometimes takes time, but I actually find that I have to limit my research time because I love I love doing it. I can get caught in that rabbit hole very easily, so uh, I do factor it in. But I have to pull myself back sometimes. And that pulling yourself back and managing your time is so crucial. It's something we talk about all the time in terms of being more profitable, because one of the reasons that we you know we do niche down into these sort of specializations like finance or law or medical copywriting is that it can be more lucrative than other types of copywriting. Have you, have you found that? I mean, what's considering, say you're writing for just, you know, Bob the plumber or a medical copywriter, you're doing a five page website. What's the kind of project value difference between those two? Is it substantial? Is it like 50% higher or 20% higher? How does it work? Yeah, um, I would say, look, it's substantially higher, depending upon the client as well. So, you know, the clients that I'm working with now really want somebody they can trust. They want somebody that they know can do the work and who's got the skills. So, you know, it's like going to, it's the difference kind of between a, going to see a GP and a brain surgeon. You know, you don't go to a GP and say, well, I need brain surgery. You'll do because you're cheap. Um, you go to who's going to do the best job. and so often the smaller people, so if, you know, Bob the plumber or whoever he is, they don't have the budget either and, and they don't see the value in it because to them it's just a website and they're just going to get more clients from that. Um, whereas a bigger medical company, that's their reputation on the line. So they will um, take that very seriously and I think they're more willing and they, or they see the value in protecting their brand because that's really what we do. We protect their brand by delivering quality information. Absolutely. Um, what would you say best and worst? What's your, what are the kind of the pitfalls and the peaks of working in this industry? Like your favourite <laughs> bits and your least favourite bits? Well, look, I do like a bit of research. So um, 
I did have to write a patient information sheet on medicinal cannabis for a client who were in the um, the pain, they treat people with chronic pain. And so it was just after the legislation came through that they were able to start treating some of their patients with that. So they wanted a patient information sheet and that was so much research. But I found it fascinating and um, I ended up reusing some of the, the research to write my own blog because uh, a, it took me a long time, but B, it was just it was just a whole lot of different um, different points of view, and there was a lot of discussion in the media at the time about why can't we just smoke the marijuana instead of taking it in the tablet form and all that kind of stuff. So, breaking down those sort of misinformation, I really enjoyed writing that. Um, then there's on the other side where you sometimes have to write about icky topics like uh, worms um, and fungal infections or head lice. Um, mm. and, and I remember after I had to write about worms, I went out and got the chocolate for us all just in case because it was just so icky. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the medical bag. There's always some, you know, sexy topics and then there's the unsexy ones. Uh, you see, I was just going to ask you what your weirdest thing you'd ever written was, but you've, you've already told us now, worms. I remember when I used to work at the NHS, they had a publication that came out, the National Health Service in the UK, they had a publication that came out for all the NHS and each week they had like the most disgusting wounds and ailments ever. Oh. And one of my favourite things to do is to cut out the picture of the wound and put it on this pinboard and call it Wound of the Week. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, worms are a good one. Ingrown toenails are pretty good. There's some great. Do you what? Do you do you? I mean, I assume you're into the whole medical thing. Like, do you watch the Pimple Popper on YouTube oh, and gross. things like that? Like, are you? Gr- oh, it's no, it's not gross. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Narissa, do you do you watch that, Narissa? No, I cannot watch that. That's just too icky. I do like a good hospital drama though. Oh, really? What's your favourite hospital drama? Oh, That's a good like question. I do like the good doctor at the moment. Really yeah. Okay. Doctor. I liked House. I liked the way, yes. yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I think we'll include a link to the pimple popper in, in the show notes. Cause oh, I, I'm just shaking I my think, head here. No, yeah, I see. No. I think I'd be good because I'd love the ick, but I wouldn't want to back it up with any kind of medical fact. I just want to talk about the ick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we're nearly, we're nearly done. So I'm going to ask the next question since my question got consumed. Uh, yes. What's your... Okay, um, people listening to this might be inspired. They might be put off for life with the talk of, of, of worms and things like that. But if they are interested, what's your number one tip for any copywriters listening who, who might want to get into the medical niche? Number one tip. I think you have to really be, be happy to do research. You really have to be willing to to put in the work and and go on a trip. It's like a treasure hunt sometimes, trying to find the right study to reference something to make that content really sing. Rather and um, because it's it's very easy to regurgitate everything that's already out there. So many people that's easy, but to really bring it to life, um, you have to like research. You you also have to remember that the people reading this information are often patients. And these patients are humans. And these these when you're in a, a position of being ill or worried about somebody else, you're very vulnerable and you're very afraid. So you really have to make sure that the language that you use is is very empathetic and, and but also empowering. So you don't want to scare them. Um, you want them to feel like there's something that they can do to feel in control of their situation. But 
don't patronise them at the same time. So you don't want to overwhelm, you don't want to speak medical jargon and you don't want to patronise. So that's a very delicate balance. Um, And so to be good at that, you have to really work at that. Oh, oh, that's such an interesting, that's such an interesting balance to to walk. And I have, I actually, I have another question I want to ask here, Kate, because I just thought of something. Um, With all this research, do you do it all online? Because you said something about, um, you didn't say fake information, but with so much on the, on the internet, how do you, like, you know, some specific sources, do you ever go to libraries or, or universities or anywhere offline to do your research? Is it all online? No, mine's all online. So, Google Scholar is a site that I use a lot. So that is one that just brings up research studies. Uh, and so it's a really good, quick way to sort through things and studies like that. Um, and the, But the rest is just online. I think with libraries, you know, you could go and sort. It's like it's very time-consuming to sort of go to a library, I think. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, look, my clients, if I need anything, I can just ask them, do you have and they'll go, yeah, we do. Here you go. Nice. Oh, that makes me make it easy. So can you, to, when we wrap up, as we wrap up, where can people find you? They want to check out this lovely website of yours, but also where do you hang out online if people have questions for you? Yes, so my website is melbournehealthwriter.com and that's all one word, Melbourne Health Writer, no breaks or spaces or anything. Um, I hang out on LinkedIn. Um, I hang out on Facebook and I have an Instagram account, which I'm not real great at updating, but I do every now and then. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> I keep an eye on it, put it that way. I don't, I'm not proactive as on that one. as I'm oh, not sure you're, too, you're too busy writing fabulous medical copy for your clients. So, you know, we're all, you know, it's a good, good place yeah. to be. Thanks so much, Larissa. It was amazing to talk to you. I am not convinced. Uh, I'll stick to watching hideous videos on YouTube. Belinda, are you going to become a medical oh, copywriter no. now? No, no, it's the it's too much research yeah. for me. I'm not. <laughs> I love I love that there's little um, spaces like Google Scholar that make it a whole lot easier. But you know, no, it's not my jam. But it's a pleasure to have you in the hot copy mastermind, Larissa, as well. And thanks for sharing your experience today. Thank you. So regular listeners will know that this is when we read out a review of the show. And today we're giving a shout out to Trace Luke from Australia. And Trace Luke says so much great information for us newbie copywriters. I love Kate and Belinda's sense of humor and their ability to get the point across. And Narissa too. Thank you, Trace Luke. And, you know, newbie copywriters, I think this, um, when you discover how many niches there are that you can choose from, it really opens up the world of copywriting to you. But yes, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review and we will read your words and your name out. And you can always do that on iTunes and Stitcher and you'll find us on Spotify, all the good things. And you can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your thoughts there. So thank you very much, Kate and Narissa. Thank you. All right, until next time, happy writing, everyone. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. 
You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. What? What? What's going on? I don't know what you're talking about. Nutter. <laughs>